0: Welcome back, everybody, to Tales Never Fails. This is your host, Steve Kramer, joined, as always, by Mr. Parker Hurley. Parks, how you doing, bud?
1: Doing good. We're uh, moving through our Team Needs series onto the 20th team. It's the local team, so uh, it's a team you've probably heard us talk a lot about, so we'll probably just zip through this one pretty quickly, although there is a lot of drama going on.
0: <laughs> yes, that is the Pittsburgh Steelers, Parks. Uh, looking at their cap space, estimated cap space right now on Spot Rack. they're looking at about 10 million dollars they may end up moving some of that around but we can start with the quarterback position which uh, for some reason they've wasted a couple draft picks on now and but they still have ben rossberger locked in and they're also looking i know at an extension with them too
1: yeah and i don't know if those numbers have accredited the bell money that they're going to get back but they should be up over like close to like 25 i think by the end of it um maybe i'm adding in some of the cuts that i'm going to go through too because um with some of these teams i'm speculating with the Steelers, I you know for the most part know what they're gonna do with the offseason but they should be around like 20 25 million by the end of it in cap space but like you said none of it's going to the quarterback you know um They drafted Joshua Dobbs after the whole Ben Roethlisberger might retire stuff. Then Todd Haley gets fired, and Ben Roethlisberger says he wants to play for five more years. And then they still drafted another quarterback who uh, turned out to be just their third-string quarterback. So, um, yeah, they really have no need to add a a quarterback. They're really hoping that Mason Rudolph steps over Dobbs and becomes the backup, and then Dobbs becomes the third-string. But nonetheless, if they put any more resources into quarterback, they're just taking resources away from um, a team that needs more depth than people think.
0: But yeah, the quarterback position for the Sears is pretty much set, at least for the near future, so you don't have to worry about that. Moving on to the running back position, uh, James Conner did a really good job last year of filling in for the absence of Le'Veon Bell. You also saw some from Jaden Samuels in a game or two. Um, You can kind of talk about, Barks, how the Bell situation might end up playing out.
1: Yeah, um, you know everyone's like, oh, how are they going to replace Le'Veon Bell? Uh, yeah, they did last season with James Conner and Jalen Samuels, um, like you said, and you know Conner has some durability questions for sure, um, after being injured in the first two seasons, but he took a huge step between year one and two, and you could almost expect a you know a similar type of step between year two and three. So from that perspective, you would you know kind of say he has some bell cow tendencies, but I really think Jalen Samuels is going to start to be in the mix more and it comes down to the Steelers let go of their running backs coach and everyone was surprised by that. But they hired the running backs well, he wasn't even a running backs coach, actually. He was the tight ends uh he was tight ends fullbacks and special teams coach at NC State and then you say, Okay, tight ends, fullbacks and special teams Jalen Samuels played tight end, fullback and special teams at NC State. Um they literally hired the guy who recruited and coached Jalen Samuels from high school, throughout his college career. Um, That probably tells you a little something about how they feel about Jalen Samuels. Um, I like Jalen Samuels in the fact that he's a mismatch player. He can play tight end, fullback, you know, running back. Um, Actually, he's he's the most raw running back and, you know, ran for, what, like 100-something yards against the New England Patriots, you know. Just in a limited experience with limited touches, so they clearly like what he can do. They like the idea that he can get on the field at the same time as James Conner, and then they can motion him out into the slot, and they can have issues. And you can tell by who they hired as the um, running backs coach that they want to, you know, they want to, you know, kind of reduce Conner's time by getting Samuels up, but also getting Samuels up and making him so diverse and kind of playing to his strengths. So that's what that's all about. And then, like you said, um, I think the way that Mark Caballi and Jerry Dulac kind of two of the more plugged-in beat reporters for the Steelers, have been saying that the Steelers are probably going to transition tag Le'Veon Bell. And the reason they're going to do it is because, like I said, they're going to have a little bit more cap space than they have in, in most years. So they're going to go out and spend most of that on defense for the most part. Um, and they're going to lose Le'Veon Bell this offseason. So everyone would say, okay, Bell's going to get paid. The Steelers should get a compensatory pick. That's great. Um, usually the way it goes is the Steelers don't have cap space. And then they let their veteran get paid. So they do get a compensatory pick. But when you spend, it cancels out what you lose um, in terms of you know what Bell gets. So they wouldn't really get a compensatory pick for Bell. So their way of trying to get something back from him is to try and transition tag him and trade him. And basically, um, if they match the tag of like, let's say the Jets sign Le'Veon Bell um, on, you know, and they present the Steelers um, the opportunity to match it. If the Steelers match it, um, the Steelers cannot trade Le'Veon, or the Jets cannot trade for Le'Veon Bell for the next year. So the Steelers could match, you know, or they could let him go or trade him to another team who does match the offer and elects to trade the Steelers something you know, like, let's say the Jaguars say we'll match his offer and we'll trade a third round pick for Le'Veon Bell. The Steelers will say we're going to match the Jet the uh, Jets offer and therefore the Jaguars can't even trade Bell to the Jets. So there's no way Bell can get to the Jets, you know, and we're going to trade him to the Jaguars. So it's like a, it's a really controlling way. It's like going way deep into the rule book, but it's really the only way that they can get compensatory um, any compensation for Le'Veon Bell. So, They're going to try it. It's going to take cooperation on Le'Veon Bell's part, but you're also hearing Le'Veon Bell doesn't have the best market, so he might want to cooperate with the Steelers in this regard to kind of help him get money on the team that he chooses and also help the Steelers get a draft pick, so it's potentially a win-win for both sides, but, I mean, we know that, you know, dealing with uh, Bell and Brown recently... Um, you never really know how that's going to shake out. So it could be an next, interesting next couple weeks. But all that really, you know, it's not it's not a huge deal because, like I said, even if they let Bell walk, I don't know if they're going to get a compensatory pick anyways. So if this transition tag, you know, decision doesn't work out the way that they think, they may not get a, get a pen, compensatory pick anyways. So, I mean, I guess it's worth a try.
0: Yeah, and we can move right along into the next part of that with Antonio Brown and the wide receivers. Um, they had... Have- Juju smith schuster had a really nice year last year. Um, James Washington, towards the end of the year, stepped up, made some really big plays for them, and uh, they traded for Ryan Switzer, who had a nice little impact in the slot, and also did decent on kick returns as well. Um, How do you think that the Brown thing is going to shake out, and how do you think the position looks going forward?
1: Yeah, it obviously doesn't sound like Antonio Brown's going to be on the Steelers next year, you know, based on what you've heard and everything like that. It's just so hard for the Steelers to um, like to get anything worth them, you know, making this decision, which is why AB's it's, you know, he's kind of going out of his way now to um, force the Steelers to trade him because I think his agent is probably like, yeah, AB, uh, they're not going to trade you, buddy. <laughs> you know, like it's because he's due. Uh, it's 22 million if he stays on the Steelers. But if he goes, if the Steelers trade him, he's on the cap for about $21 million. Um, So pretty much no matter what, the Steelers are paying for Brown. So the issue is you have to trade him and you have to get compensation to replace Antonio Brown on $1 million worth of salary because you're giving Brown $21 million. So you got to get Brown's production and, you know, potentially try and upgrade with it with just $1 million um, worth of money to spare. So that's going to be really tough. But, you know, everyone keeps saying, oh, the Steelers need a wide receiver. They need a wide receiver. Um, I think they're going to add a wide receiver, you know, if you lose Antonio Brown, which, like I said, Antonio's going out of his way to make sure that that happens. But um, I think you add a receiver, but, you know, your number one's Juju. That's obvious. Um, I keep, you know, I don't think people understand, you know, yes, Antonio Brown was getting, you know, some of the top coverages, but Juju was really freaking good last year, and he's only 21 years old. Um, There's definitely a chance, you know, he's on that, like, Michael Thomas trajectory of, you know, Um, I think this year he could break into, you know, being one of the best receivers in the NFL. And then you have James Washington on the other side. Like you said, he started to take some steps forward in his uh, by the end of his rookie season. One of the things the Steelers bragged about him constantly after drafting him in the second round was that um, he was literally what the coach said uh, was no maintenance. That's what Randy Feetner said. He said, this is a no maintenance receiver. So um, they're not worried about James Washington off of the field. And he's like a farmer. He's like a trucker. Like, he's he's going to go back to the farm in the Midwest, um, and he's just going to work on his craft, you know, all summer. So you would expect him to take a step forward. So you got Juju's kind of your, you know, um, taking, stepping into the A-B mold. James Washington would be almost in the Martavis role of, you know, playing that deep role, really just, you know, trying to extend the football field. Um, and like you said, Ben started to trust him over the last three games of the season. And then, yeah, in the slot, you got, um, you know, Eli's going to come back on, like, most likely – and then you have Ryan Switzer who they already have who's going to work in the slot so i mean there's four wide receivers right there who could start on pretty much you know most nfl teams so you know yes they don't have the dynamic nature of A.B. and Juju is the best wide receiver duo in the NFL, and nobody's going to touch that. They still have four starting wide receivers in the NFL that they can move in and out, and they have Jalen Samuels, who they can move into the slot, so, um, you know, Juju can move into the slot. They, Like I said, they're going to add receiver because that's what they do. You know, they find wide receivers in the middle rounds, um, but s- still, it's not like this crying need, and it's not like, how in the world are they going to replace A.B.? I definitely think um, losing the best receiver in the NFL is a tough, you know, break for any team, but... It's all, like I really think, you know, if they could get the $20 million back from A.B. and dedicate that to the defense, you know, I don't think you upgrade in a huge way to replace A.B. I think it's more about just not getting the money back from A.B. is where it's really devastating to them.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on that. But like you mentioned with Eli Rogers, they also have Justin Hunter and Darius Hayward Bay as UFAs. Um, do you think they'll bring either one of those back? I know hay Bay does a lot of special teams work, um, and the coaching staff seems to really like Hunter.
1: Yeah, I think Hunter got his last chance last season and didn't take advantage, but he's gotten a few last chances. I would be surprised if Hunter's back. I do think Darius hayward Bay will be back. Um, He's a good locker room guy, good veteran presence, could potentially be a wide receivers coach down the the line. So um, I think until he retires, he'll probably be with the Steelers. So that's where you're saying. I mean, that could be five right there. Um, They're going to, like I said, they're going to add potentially to, you know, replace Brown, but that could easily just be, like, a fourth-round pick with some high upside that, you know, just slipped through the cracks like every other Steelers wide receiver they've ever drafted.
0: Yeah, his draft is pretty deep at wide receiver, too. So we can move on to the tight ends, Parks, Xavier Grimble, Jesse James, and Jake McGee are all free agents this offseason. They're moving forward. You know, Vance McDonald is the one. I know you liked him a lot um, whenever they got him from. him san francisco he struggled with injuries for a little bit and then last year he put together a really nice season for the steelers
1: right vance is obviously the number one um he pretty much jumped into like a top 10 tight end type of tier and he was always i wrote an article for him on last word on pro football when they traded for him i said this was a heck of a trade for the steelers um because it was low risk and just a lot of upside in vance mcdonald um his big issues were drops and injuries. Um, when he's not dropping the football and he's not injured, he's what he was last season. Like I said, you know, a top 10 tight end, and that was kind of the first time we saw it, but we saw it. And um, nonetheless, he's a number one. Um, I know the Steelers like Jake McGee, and I like Jake McGee, because he's athletic and he can block and he can do things with the football in his hands. So I think he's a perfect complement for Vance McDonald. Are you walking into the season saying we have Vance and Jake McGee, we're feeling good? No, because Jake McGee is an undrafted free agent who just tore his ACL. So you would like to upgrade over that. Is it bringing Jesse James back, who's kind of old reliable? He's not going to give you anything more than what he's given you the last four years? Potentially, but I could see him um, you know, getting some money on a market just a little bit more than Steelers want. And I know he, you know, even made the Kardashian comments. So, um, I I could definitely see Jesse James being gone. I could see it being, um, Grimble and McGee coming back, but I still think they're going to add to that, to that spot too. So, I mean, um, maybe even more than wide receiver, you would like to get another tight end in the mix. I don't think that'll be a free agent because you got to put a lot of free agent dollars into, uh, into the defense in my opinion, but, um, it could be, you know, they could look to tight end at some point midway through the draft.
0: Yeah, and then we can transfer right into the offensive line. Um, ended up losing Mike Munchak to Denver Broncos. His replacement, though, um, I know he's been with the Sears for a little while, so they should be okay in terms of the position coach. Let's see who they have. I know Roman Foster is going to be a free agent. It looks like Matt Father, but that's it on the offensive line. So it's pretty much just... If they want to bring Ramon back, do that and then just continue as it's been.
1: Yeah, I think uh, Fowler's a restricted free agent and they're going to bring him back for sure too. Because he's going to start and they're, I mean, most likely he's going to start next year and they're going to cut Marcus Gilbert and that'll save them like $4 million in that regard too. I mean, Gilbert has missed like, uh, he's been suspended for steroids and he's had two injuries last season ended up being a season-ending injury for him. Um, I know, you know, last season, in 2017, he played, got hurt, got suspended, came back, and then got hurt again. So, I mean, like, you know, he's not reliable at this point. He's close to 30 years old. And they really didn't miss a beat with Matt Filer out there. And they also have... Chukes uh, uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name at this point, uh, they have Chukes though, and I wrote an article about Chukes's first start against the Denver Broncos, and how Von Miller gave him fits, but he also held his own against Von Miller, you know, in some regards, so, um, he got his feet wet there, and Filer and Chukes will battle for the starting right tackle position, but nonetheless, you're bringing continuity back in left tackle Alejandro Villanueva, um... Uh, David DeCastro at the right side, and then uh, Marquise Pouncey at center. So you're bringing back all that continuity. You pretty much are bringing back continuity in right tackle. And then, like you said, it's pretty much just a decision of um, Ramon's the veteran. The way the Steelers typically play this is Ramon will walk this season, um, and B.J. Finney, who has had like four or five starts in his career, most of them at left guard. Um, He's pretty much ready. Like, he's been groomed up for this um, really to be thrown into the starting lineup, so in most cases, you would assume that Ramon walks and then B.J. Finney steps up and starts, but Ramon also, you know, despite being older, was coming off of his best season or one of his best seasons just last year, so um, really impressive stuff, and that might get him one more year with the Steelers, but nonetheless, the Steelers are prepared for it with uh, with B.J. Finney, and um, it's kind of what they, you know, Ramon was an uh, undrafted free agent, took him three years, to, or it was like one or two years for him, I think, that you know to get into the starting role, started forever, and BJ Finney, undrafted free agent, it's going to take him a few years to get in the starting role, starts forever, you know, just one of those things, and they'll probably just draft another undrafted free agent to be their swing, you know, backup guard or center, um, if that's not Finney next year, so their offensive line, like you said, yeah, they lost Munchak, but the fact that they're bringing back so much continuity, not only in um, his assistant coaches, but in like Ali Vill- Villanueva, Pouncey and DeCastro, they should be pretty good.
0: Yeah, and they can get a couple million too if they end up cutting uh, Marcus Gilbert. So that would help for their free agent hunt on defense too.
1: Right, absolutely.
0: So we can move right on to the defensive line. Whether you know they'll be rolling back again, Cam Hayward, Stephon Tuitt, Javon Hargrave. Um, they don't really have a whole lot of need there. Maybe some depth.
1: Yeah, the, I think you know Lululu is a un, uh, is a free agent at this point. I kind of think you just bring back a on the cheap um he is a great depth player shows up and does his job you know likes to be around um you know was with the jaguars for all those years so likes to be around a, you know an environment like the steelers um despite the fact that there's drama i'm pretty sure a guy like alu alu will be back so yeah i mean that's your four interior linemen and you know you got one two three and your three four defense i think the only thing you do is you let dan mccullers walk and they tried to get i think his name was joshua frazier from alabama last year in like the seventh round as a nose tackle. Um, they're probably just gonna swing that bat again in the seventh round, and try and get another nose tackle.
0: Yeah, and we can go right around uh, to their linebacking core. Them, Bud Dupree's on the last year. His deal parks to about a little bit over nine million. Um, he stepped up last year, ended up switching sides with T.J. Watt. Here they also will be rolling back Vince Williams is back. Bostic looked pretty good last year in his first year in the black and gold. How do you feel about the linebacker position?
1: They're going to need help on the edge, whether it be free agent or the draft. Um, You know, with Dupree, he had a bunch of hurries, but he didn't transform them into sacks last season. You would like to see him take a step forward. You would also potentially see the Steelers um, extend him this offseason. I know some fans don't want to hear that, but by extending him now when he only has, I think he's coming off like a four and a half sack season. I think you could get him for the next three years pretty cheap. You know, you could actually lower his, um, like you said, it's like nine million dollars. That's a lot for a guy like Bud Dupree. I think you could lower that in 1 year and extend him to have him whether he be depth or whether he be a starter. I think he could be around, you know, but I think you add to this position to push him because it's his last season. He's a UFA and like I said, um, you know, if you if you do spend some money and you get a veteran guy in there, you know, you highlight maybe a guy who on the first couple downs can defend the run and then Bud can kind of just pin his ears back and rush the passer on third downs. You know, just get him into more of a rotational situation. Or, like I said, you try and replace him eventually. Um, that's kind of how you have to do it. But nonetheless, you have absolutely no depth behind him. You have Ola Denier, who I kind of like as a, you know, he was an undrafted free agent last year. But that's the most depth you have. You should probably let Anthony Ciccolo walk, but you're so depleted in terms of depth that you're outside linebackers. Um, yeah, I, th- I think they should honestly, like I said, they have um, cap space this year. They should probably sign somebody and draft somebody at the, at the edge rusher position.
0: Yeah, and then if you want to move on into the inside linebackers, you know, Bostic's first year last year. uh, Madakevich was hurt last year. But Vince Williams had a really nice year for them.
1: Yeah, Madakevich is a special teams player, and that's all he's ever going to be. So LJ Fort took a step forward, you could argue, as a starter last year. But um, obviously, you know, everyone kind of knows about him and coverage wasn't really didn't really go the way they wanted. But I mean, the fact is, he was their best coverage linebacker, you know. And what I said, I have an FPC Steelers podcast that you can listen to um, on Apple and everything like that, where I kind of every week go through the season where um, I just said, you know, the thing about John Bossig and Vince Williams is they're too similar to play, you know, next to each other. They're both um, too slow, but they can both get downhill. They can both blitz and they can both call the plays and get everybody in check. And I thought Vince Williams took a huge step in terms of communication and getting everybody in check. And that's what's, that's when you started to see John Bostic uh, on the field less, when Vince started to handle the communication. So, um, you know, the big thing, they lost Ryan Shazier like two years ago. And I kept saying, you know, not only, like, Shazier was devastating because they didn't have any depth behind him, but they didn't have, one, anybody to call plays, and two, they didn't have anybody nearly as fast as him. So, Vince Williams, I mean, I'd never, like, he, he, like I said, he took a big step forward, and he played, like, every single snap against the Patriots as the only linebacker on the field, and kept everybody in line, and they won that game, obviously, so huge step for Vince Williams, you'd assume he's kind of right back in that starting role calling plays, John Bostick is the perfect backup for him in that role, because like I said, they're similar in role, LJ Fort would be a perfect backup, um, you know, run and chase guy, you know, right next to those guys, so you kind of have three of the four guys you need, you just need one guy who is a starter in the run and chase role next to Vince Williams, Um, you could definitely get some depth behind that, but I, you know, you just need to whether it's spending on somebody, you know, with with a big name, or getting it in the first round, or um, I don't know how they're going to go about it, but they need speed in some way um, at the linebacker position. So um, otherwise, you know, like I said, the depth looks good, but you know, when the depth looks good, and the starting talent doesn't look great. Um, you got to do something.
0: Yeah, definitely time for an upgrade there. Moving on to the secondary, Joe Hayden's in the last year of his deal. Do you think they'll do anything with him? And then we're looking at Hardy Burns coming into you know. His fourth year, so I, I, they probably won't give him that fifth year, exercise, his fifth-year option. Cam Sutton comes back. Um, Brian Allen you know, moves around throughout the um, secondary. They have Mike Hilton and Cody Sensabaugh need to re-sign Parks' as corners.
1: Yeah, Mike Hilton's a restricted free agent, so he'll be back. Um, Cody Sensabaugh, you, you don't know. Like you said, Artie Burns won't be back on his fifth year. And I don't think they're going to extend Joe Hayden. I think they'll just... Uh, you know he has some injury questions. He's about 30 something years old now, so I think they're kind of gonna kinda let this season play out and decide what to do with him at the end of the season. But with that in mind, um, cornerback becomes ahead of you know, like I said, you need some depth at outside linebacker. You need to push Bud. You need to get a starter of you know a little bit faster and stronger and all that than L.J. Fort. Um, you need a cornerback in the worst freaking way. At this point, you know, just to play on the other side of Joe Hayden, not only that, but if you do end up losing Joe Hayden or if Joe Hayden has another devastating injury, you know, um, he, he what he broke his leg and he has a hamstring injury in his two years with the Steelers and he has a history of injuries with the Browns. So, I mean, it's not like, you know, he's been their best cornerback and it's not even been close, but he also has consistently carried his injury, you know, tag around with him, too. So, um, if he gets hurt, you know, they're so devastated at cornerback, um, Cameron Sutton, you're hoping it's year three. Um, you're hoping he could take some type of step forward this year. Maybe he could compete for the outside spot with, you know, whoever you bring in out there. Um, he's also your backup slot player. So, I mean, you have depth in Cameron Sutton, perfect depth piece. Brian Allen's just a project player. You would love to see him take a step forward because he's so big and long, but he hasn't taken that yet. So, I mean, maybe those guys get in there and compete on the outside. But you need some outside help in the worst way, not only in terms of opposite of Hayden, but also in terms of potentially replacing Hayden. So just like I kind of said, edge is a spot you got to sign and draft um, on the edge. You got to sign and draft at cornerback. And I mean, I think you could definitely, you know, um, try and sign a starter at cornerback. And then even if you sign a starter at cornerback in the first round or in free agency, you still in the first round potentially could draft a cornerback if he's the best player there. Like that's where they are right now in terms of their uh, secondary.
0: Yeah, and then to round them out, looking at the safety position, Terrell Edmonds, rookie year last year, was kind of put into a role that he wasn't – the Steelers didn't really plan for him to play because of the Morgan Burnett signing and Morgan Burnett was banged up with injuries. Do they move on from Morgan Burnett? Um, How do you think Terrell Edmonds' second year is going to go? And what are your thoughts on Sean Davis as well?
1: Yeah, I thought it was so funny when Morgan Burnett said he wanted out of the Steelers. And everybody, like – you know, just poured the oil on the fire of, you know, oh, the Steelers are a circus. And they are like, see, the Steelers are a circus. Everybody wants out. Even Morgan Burnett. It's like Morgan Burnett probably got told he was cut before he that report came out. <laughs> like, the Steelers don't want anything to do with Morgan Burnett. He was an awful signing from the very start. And I was always nervous about when they signed him because, um, you know, nobody wants to hear it but they signed him over eric reed and they it's pretty clear you know um why they signed him over eric reed considering someone just wanted you know a lawsuit in court you know so they signed him over eric reed that was a it was a dumb decision at the time and like everybody who watched football knew that that was a dumb decision at the time and it came back to hurt him you know in the worst way like you couldn't envision that burnett was going to get hurt in this regard but you also knew that there was a better option available at the same price, you know? So that's where it's, like, really frustrating with Morgan Burnett. Um, He gave absolutely nothing this season. It was just completely worthless, in my opinion, you know? Like you said, got hurt in the preseason to the point where, you know, what they really wanted to do was supplement a lot of the speed that they were losing at linebacker in terms of putting an extra defensive back on the field and putting him in the linebacker role. And that's why Terrell Edmonds being so strong and so athletic and so fast is perfect for that. Not only that, Morgan Burnett has played in that role before um, for the Packers for two or three years. So Burnett can kind of show him the ropes. He can stand behind him at strong safety and point things out for Terrell Edmonds. It's a great learning experience, right? Until Morgan Burnett isn't back there, you know? And then all of a sudden Terrell Edmonds has to play back there. And they got to like week three or four before Morgan Burnett got healthy. And they said, you know what? We have our first round pick playing in the role that he's going to play in for the future. We're not going to decrease his workload just to get Morgan Burnett in here when Morgan Burnett can't even beat this guy out on the football field. So yeah, Morgan Burnett got hurt to the point where he put um, Edmonds into a tough spot. When Edmonds started to get used to his spot, they said, we, you know, you can't even beat out Terrell Edmonds. And then he got on the field in the dime linebacker and he's saying, Oh, well, I didn't sign on to be a dime linebacker. Well, you couldn't beat out Morgan Burnett. So they had to throw you somewhere. And then you started to get torched by uh Raiders slot players and they lost to the Raiders. So, um, yeah, I, am not, I was never a fan of the Morgan Burnett signing. I just didn't really like, Just the like, like I said, just the perception of it. Honestly, is what I. It just left a sour taste in my mouth, and to see it come out to be like that, um, just just a really bad signing. They have to replace that same exact spot in terms of. I think now you need that hybrid linebacker. Because, like I said, Edmonds has taken so many spots or so many steps at strong safety. Um, Sean Davis—it was his first year at free safety. It was up, it was down, it was a roller coaster, you know. But they hired a new set or they hired another secondary coach to complement Tom Bradley. And they have, um, like I said, you have to add another safety in terms of um, maybe not even like a safety, but like a just a hybrid that can play linebacker and safety, like an undersized linebacker or an oversized safety. Um, just somebody who can get in there and give those snaps that, um, like I said, in sub package football, it would really help that um, get LJ Fort, you know, get John Bostic off the field a little bit more, um, really help them in dime rolls. So, um, yeah, I mean, you go through their defense and it's quite literally every position aside from the defensive line. And like I said, you could add depth at nose tackle. But then, yeah, it's literally every other position. Um, And it's not only just you need every other position, you need to draft and sign a lot of every other position, you know, Uh, cornerback, edge rusher, you know, Uh, like I said, however you want to do it, it's safety and linebacker, you know, you could draft yourself, um, you know, an oversized safety and then sign an undersized linebacker if you want to go the other way around. Like, I don't care, but you got to hit it. So, um, yeah, they have big time issues on a lot of the areas of their defense.
0: Have you seen anything from Marcus Allen that gives you any hope or no?
1: I guess, yeah. I mean, that's, that is that is kind of what the Steelers' idea would be. Um, he's, he played special teams, and he was active enough to where you could get some, but... Um, his, his kind of only start, if you will, against the Chargers, um, was kind of like when he got thrown in there is when the Chargers really started to run the football on them. So, um, you know, you got to see some improvements in his run defense to stick him in the box as that hybrid linebacker. He was always, he fell to the fifth round because he's too slow to be a safety. He is that oversized safety. Um, it's just, yeah, hopefully he could take that step, um, in terms of run defense, you know, you get him in the weight room all off season. So he'll definitely compete for it. And that's where maybe it is, you know, um, you don't draft a safe, you know. You don't draft a safety. You don't spend big bucks on it, but it is, you know, like a mid-level free agent, a third-round pick, competing with Marcus Allen, and you know, two of those three are going to actually have a decent role next year.
0: Yeah, and that just about does it for pick number twenty for us. Moving on to the Seattle Seahawks at number twenty-one. Next, catch you guys next time.